From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 115. Today's show is brought to you by Casper, FreshBooks, and Encapsula. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by the one and only Mr. Jason Snell. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Pretty good, Jason Snell. How are you? Good. Good. Busy time. Busy time. You know, my mom always says to me, uh, well, whenever we talk about like what we're doing, the kids are doing all that, she's like, oh, you're just so busy. You're so lucky to be so young. You're just so busy. And most of the time, I just kind of roll my eyes a little bit and think, yeah, you know, it's just life. It's what we do. But the last couple of months, and, and I think this happens for all of us who write or talk about Apple. Um, yeah, it's been really busy. <laughs> Since the busy season. September to November really is the busy season. It is high season. I feel like I, uh, we, I was walking um, the dog with my wife yesterday, and we were talking about uh, about all this stuff and I said I said the good news is we're kind of at the end of the Apple product cycle for this year mm-hmm. that that I mean there's stuff right because there's now we're, we you know we're going to kick into the holiday season and you know make lists and stuff like that all the end of year stuff and it's work and the, the, the work never stops the upgradies will be coming all of that <laughs> we got a plan it's all going to happen uh-huh. but it is also um, kind of nice to feel like um, as somebody who works on this stuff that we're on the backside a little bit can calm down a little bit because it's been um, it's been kind of nuts, especially if you throw in the um, you know that I was gone for ten days on on, on my continuous travel adventure mm-hmm. um, with Apple products on you know an Apple event right before and a product that I took with me and then as soon as I got back I got I got the Touch Bar MacBook Pro and had an embargo for that that dropped this morning so it's I, I'm feeling a little bit like I can actually like take stock of my where I am of my life and where I am in the world for the first time in a couple of weeks so that's nice it's nice to get that review out in the world and be able to sort of look up from my desk for a moment and, and ask what you know what what's next <laughs> so we are going to touch on the touch bar later on today in the show but I did want to ask just as a, you've got to touch on the touch bar gotta, Mike that's that's how to. it works you have to I mean otherwise what's the point of having it you know? uh, but I do have this one kind of meta question about the, the reviews and saying it's busy. Okay. I think something that's maybe made this uncharacteristically busy, I can't ever remember a time where you or like the majority of uh, tech press will review two models of the same computer separately. Yeah, well, okay, so there was a serious availability kind of rollout issue for the MacBook Pro models. And um, it's interesting. I've never seen this either usually you you know they release a bunch and you get the best one yep right as a reviewer they're like no 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 here's the best one and you're like but what about the others that pop pop you nope nope you get the good one Re- review the good one um th- that, that that tends to be what happens but this time because of availability issues so after the event a bunch of reviewers and i was included in this uh were you know they it's the thing where you're told come back a little bit later and I went and had a sandwich with uh, Dan Frakes, my former colleague at Macworld, who works at the Wirecutter now, because he lives nearby. And we, we oh, went, the New York went, Times, we, right? Uh, by, by the New York Times, right, yeah. exactly. So he's employed by that company now. Um, anyway, we, we had lunch and all that, and then I came back, and, and, and basically you get ushered into their new briefing center, and uh, you get demos, and then you leave with a MacBook Pro in a bag. And so I got the 
escape essentially right the 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 physical button to port 13 inch macbook pro and that's what everybody got and everybody was saying after the event like you know they don't they don't have the touch bar ones yet so then the next week i'm in ireland with the the physical button 13 inch macbook pro and i get an email from my pr contact at apple saying can you come by tomorrow to pick up the 13 inch with touch bar (laughs) to which i replied no i i can't i'm in ireland can you send it to me uh there's no response and uh and i i still don't have that model because they i think they were very limited supply and they gave mine to someone else instead so that's sad but um but then i get home and they say can you come down and pick up the 15 inch so basically on successive weeks each of these three variations rolled out and that and so you end up with these interesting situations of like the first one had no embargo or had yeah, I mean, I think it had like it had a, the new embargo, right? Which is just like talk about whatever you want, but r- post your review at a certain point or whatever. Yeah, it the, is. the first the first one was um, it was I think just like your embargo is tomorrow morning or something like that, just to give everybody a little bit more time. But but it was not a lot of time. Uh, and then they, the second one came out and they had an embargo. And it sounds like then the third one, the 15 inch came out. I don't, I'm not privy to all of this. It sounds like the embargo kept getting pushed back. Uh, the embargo I got was Monday morning and that's what I did. But so that, that was all going. So there was a lot of moving parts this time, which is kind of unusual. Um, and, and so people had to choose, like some sites have multiple reviews of the d- different models. Um, some sites conflated all the, you know, all the reviews are, are all on in one um i ended up writing a hands-on uh experience piece on day one and then a travel piece after i you know i posted it literally on the over the atlantic ocean on my flight back home um and then about the 13 and then this piece is about 15 because that's the only model i've got so it's it's kind of all over the place about how people chose to review these and in, in reality what it, we can talk about this more later what, what it ended up being was mostly i'm reviewing touch bar and touch id because these systems are not that different than from the 13 inch yeah. model um without the touch bar they're not that different other than the touch bar and the touch id so i ended up writing a review of the macbook pro that's very much a review of it's like an essay about touch bar and touch id essentially yeah, I guess the, the the reason that you can write these reviews genuinely about these two machines is it's been very... I can't think of any time Apple's released a new product, like a new Mac, where they have two versions and one of them has this different feature. Like, they've released in the past, like, oh, here's the Retina one, but there wasn't, like, another Mac that was just like the Retina one, just didn't have Retina, I don't think. But, like, th- this, this, like, touch bar is completely different as well. Like, you wouldn't even... What would you review a Retina screen? Like, screen looks good, Moving on, like, you know, what do you do? But this is like a a really weird type of thing where they're just like, oh, here's a computer. It's really powerful. It has all this new stuff in it. You can get it in space gray. Review it. Here's another one. It has another screen on it and a fingerprint sensor on it. Review it. It's It's strange. Every time I write a review of these things now, uh, I end up trying to think, how do I describe basically you have to you have to wave at the retina screen as you as you blow past it you have to say like you know like all of these computers these days it has a beautiful bright wide color retina display uh it's great to look at it's like what can i say about it may vary right like you know what you know what apple does with displays now and this has got that and if you know and so there it is and then i kind of move on because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm not quite sure what else to say it's got a big bright beautiful retina display and next <laughs> so um you can now buy these machines as well but they're like four to five weeks shipping as it stands currently 
I don't know if you could buy them before, but like you can buy them, uh, and they're shipping in like a month. It'd be interesting to see if and how the uh, the, the 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 touch bar versions slip. So I think were they were they yeah, buyable? Like, could you already buy these things? Oh yeah, I can't yeah, remember. They're, they're just I think I think they were on sale um, the day it was announced, and right. then the ship date was you know basically if you calculated it out, if you ordered them right away, the ship date was mid November, so about now. And they may, given that our embargo dropped today, uh, it, they may start trickling out this week. Right, right. I, I don't I don't know, but my understanding is if you go and try to order one today, you won't you know you won't be able to get it tomorrow because they right. they're they're back ordered. I guess my problem is like to check this personally. I don't think I know anybody who's bought one. I can't think of anyone that I know. Huh. I, I can't think of any friends of mine that have actually purchased this machine. Oh, actually, our designer Frank has bought one. Um, huh. So I mean, you know, he's he's based in uh, in a place in Europe. So uh, <laughs> a uh, place in Europe. A place in Europe. He's very mysterious. I thought he was in a spaceship hovering above above Europe. Europe. But... Yeah. That's a, a space place in Europe. No, you've revealed it now. He's actually in a place, in a location in Europe. Mm, imagine that. Wow. Mind blown. Uh, John was the first person to recognize the startup chime uh, is gone from the Upgrade <laughs> Music last week. Uh, we'd like to make sure that we keep up with the times, so uh, Apple removes the startup chime, so do we. <laughs> yeah, this was an idea we talked about at uh, at Ull yeah. and... Uh, and and didn't do it then because we were just trying to get that episode out because it's live and we're at a conference and all that. But we did it last time and 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 presumably this time. Um, and we'll see we'll see what happens. I don't know if it's going to come back, Mike. I don't know what our policy. I don't know if if somebody can. Uh, well, it all depends on whether somebody opened terminal or not, right? Yeah, you know, I know, right? Then. So we'll see we'll see what happens if we can get into the podcast command line and do some uh, tweaking or whether we're, we're we've lost the startup chime forever. Uh, we've spoken a lot recently about your kind of mobile recording setup and your iPad recording setup. Um, and whilst we were at all, uh, listener EJ, uh, Elias, who was the creator of the incredible Podcast Universe map, if mm-hmm. you've ever seen that thing, it's amazing. Um, he mentioned a way, because he, he records all on uh, iOS, and I believe he's writing a blog post. So, uh, Elias, if you're out there and, and when you've written this, send it to me so I can put it in show notes in future episode. Um, and he had mentioned, because he uses the Zoom uh, solid-state recorder like you do, Jason, and then yep. uh, edits using Farite on his iPad. Now, currently, there is no way without a Mac... I believe, to get those two things to talk to each other, right? You need to somehow, or or using some kind of thing. You have to use something. There has to be something in yeah. the middle. Well, there has to be a PC, basically. Yeah. There has to be a computer as an intermediary. This is one of those things. I've written about how one of my big wish list items for iOS, if they do a productivity update in the spring, is the ability to see um, more stuff on on attached storage devices, especially if you're using the card reader that Apple provides. Right now, all it'll do is see videos and photos. And uh, now that we've got essentially file pickers in terms of iCloud Drive and Dropbox and all the rest, um, and you can see files, why can't you see files on those cards? Because right now, uh, a portable recorder like the Zoom that that I've got and, and that Elias has, um, they are uh, they're recording you know, waves or MP3s onto that, that card. And it's great. It's a great way to do portable recording. And then you want to edit and you've got your iPad for editing and you can't 
get it over. You have to like attach it to a computer that can read or some other device that can read an SD card because the iPad can't read those files on the SD card and transfer them and then transfer them to the iPad and then you can do it. Um, it's maddening. But now there are um, Wi-Fi enabled SD cards and the one I think that has kind of occupied the uh, mindshare in this is a, is a product called iFi. And right. photographers use this a lot um, in their cameras and they're able to transfer images uh, to a service or to a device very easily. Uh, however, the iFi SD cards, it has a companion app on iOS, but it only allows you to transfer media, movies, and photos. Yeah. It, it's got the same approach that Apple took mm -hmm. with their SD card reader and, and the software on iOS to read it, which is, this is a media transfer thing. However, Toshiba however, make their own yeah. called the Flash Air. And the Flash Air app, when you... Uh, Press a couple of hidden little buttons. Not like hidden, hidden, but like just not completely it's in the obvious settings. buttons. It's in yeah. the settings. You can turn on the ability to take documents from, or basically anything stored on yeah. the Flash Air, and it will download them to the application, and then you can use the open in command on iOS. So it is possible to grab these uh, audio files from the Flash Air card that has been recorded in the Zoom recorder from the microphones, and then you're able to open in, and then you're able to open them up into Ferrite. And I believe you've tried this out. Yeah, I did, and it works. I mean, that, that's the bottom line, is you can see... Um, and the way it works is you set it up, it's its own wireless uh, network, basically, and you have to your iPad has to connect to it, or iPhone. And you can set in the settings in the app uh, how long... Because it uses battery, right? Or, or it uses power. So you can say how long is it trying to set up that network before it gives up. So I, you know, I have it set to like a minute. So literally, in order to connect to it, I need to turn on... Because I wanted to say battery. I, I turn on my recorder and then, and then connect to it via my iPad in that first minute. And then we're good. And then I can see the contents of the file uh, of the card. I can copy any of those files over to my iPad. And yes, if you toggle a setting in the uh, Flash Air app, then it uses the open in. I don't know why this isn't on by default, but it, it provides you with the open in command, at which point you can move those files over directly into something like Ferrite for editing. The only uh, drawback is the way that that app is written right now. You have to do them one at a time, even though you can make multiple selections. If you select multiple files, you can't choose open in. I don't know why. That's it's a, kind of dumb. That's an iOS limitation. You can is only it? Yeah, you can only pause one You can only open in one thing? Time. Yeah. Yeah, I wish there was, um, you know, it, it's one of those things, too, where... Uh, yeah, if there was something else, if they could, you could zip it inside of Flash Air or something like that, but you can't. So anyway, you have to do that one at a time. But this solves the problem of if I want to go somewhere and record something, I I can use with multiple microphones, I can use the, the Zoom recorder, and then I can get it to my iPad and edit it and post it. And th this this closes a gap that probably shouldn't be there, but it closes that gap, and that's uh that's cool. So I was I'm I bought one. Um, Elias told me about it. I immediately opened my phone, opened the Amazon app, ordered one, had it sent to my house. It was here when I got back home, and uh, it totally works. So it's a nice workaround for now. I hope Apple will update iOS to just read files off of SD cards in the future. Last week, Dylan wrote in to ask, um, has anybody bought the larger Apple TV, the larger storage Apple TV in our Ask Upgrade segment? And Steve wrote in to say that uh, he owns the larger storage Apple TV as he heard it as a better buffer for streaming content. 
so it's able to stream more content. I've never heard this. I, I don't think that's true. I think that that might be a uh, rubber chicken scenario, Steve, I'm afraid. But he also bought it for future-proofing, which I can kind of get on board with. What is a rubber? You know, there might be something that pops up uh, in, the, in the future that might mean he needs the storage. But um, I'm afraid, Steve, whilst these may be valid reasons for you, they still don't seem like enough uh, for why anybody should buy that one. What is a rubber chicken scenario? You never heard of that? I know what a rubber chicken is, uh-huh. but I don't... I, I, what is a rubber chicken scenario? So, like, if you're swinging a rubber chicken, acro- like, above your head, right? Have you ever heard this? No, I just Googled for rubber chicken scenario in quotes, and there's well, literally want- two... There's two web pages. <laughs> so, I picked this up maybe from MacBreak Weekly back in the day. They would talk about swinging a rubber chicken as a method of trying something out in the hopes that it will fix your problem oh i see so it's 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 like a superstition thing like uh you know nothing else is working so why don't i try this and see Mm -hmm. if it helps so let's blame merlin for this uh i'm I'm just gonna straight up just blame merlin for that but i I think that if merlin man is out there he will know what i'm talking about like this is the thing that they used to to i can hear him i can hear him saying it so like the idea is you swing a rubber chicken above your head In the Wikipedia page for rubber chicken, it says the rubber chicken fix refers to holding a rubber chicken above a problem, often perplexing and having the problem fix itself. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. Right. So the idea being that like, this isn't a real thing that exists, but it's like a placebo. It makes you feel better. All right. Well, I, I, again, so to Steve, I I don't know um, for sure, but I, I think when it came out, we asked about this and they said that it's the way Apple describes it is it's to load information from apps so that you basically large, you can have more apps and those apps have more room to put their data on there, but it's never been very clearly communicated. And I think the Apple TV, you know, it, it's, it's providing plenty of buffer space for media is my understanding that that is reserved for media on either model. So, um, I could be wrong about that, but that's my recollection from when it came out. And that's why we've all been kind of scratching our heads about the the storage difference in the Apple TV. Because while it exists and they charge for it, the communication on it is very limited. Basically, more apps. So if you essentially, I think what they're saying is if you are using it for lots of games, you can keep all the games on there. Um, and it won't need to remove levels or whatever. It'll load them and keep them there because it's got plenty of space. Yeah, and our resident uh, Apple TV expert, Joe Steele, in the chat room, fake name, said that the apps don't have more room themselves. Everything is capped, all of the the actual data that they can store in them. But as you said, you can you can hold more apps, but you can't hold more data within those apps than oh, there the, you go. the smaller model does. I think I think it's not that you can hold more data. I think it might be that if you run if you run You've got your app with content in the app uh, package that it, it's got its content, and then you're in a low storage situation that it um, that it blows off stuff that it it it, it can re-download, and maybe that wouldn't happen. But I think Joe's also right that probably in almost any circumstance you wouldn't get to that point mm-hmm. unless you had lots of apps. So it comes back to more apps. I don't think that there are that many good apps, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, although I did see who was it? I saw somebody talking about how 
they, I think, sideloaded an emulator onto their Apple TV. Marco did that. Was that was that Marco? Yeah, yeah. Uh, an emulator onto their Apple TV, and they have the the steel case controller, and they play like emulated video games on the Apple TV. That's but the, what Marco tweeted about the that. emulated games that you can put. They're like Nintendo games. They're not yeah. going to take up a lot of space. <laughs> no, no, I know. It's just I, I thought that was an interesting like. And, mm-hmm. But you know, that's an example where you can't you can't do that legally. You know, right? It's not in the App Store, Ooh. so. It's too bad. Oh, I've got one for you. Um, just a, a quick note. I'm not. I'm going to write an article about this at some point. I, in the midst of writing my review and doing all this stuff and being really busy, I got a text message from my sister um, saying that she had a virus on her Mac and could I help her? And I literally ended up texting with her for three hours <laughs> trying to figure out what it was and how to do it. Um and it was it was made more difficult. So what she did was she obviously clicked on something somewhere um, that reset her um, it reset her homepage on her on Safari to load a page that loads a JavaScript that throws up a dialog box that says you've been infected. Call this number, mm-hmm. and you can't get out of the dialog box in order to go to the preferences and reset Safari. This happened. Something like this happened to someone in John Syracuse's family, right? I think yeah, you talked about right. NTP recently. And one of the amazing things about Safari that I think I think is actually a flaw in Safari that they need to fix is there's no way to reset Safari from outside Safari. <laughs> like that doesn't I make can't, any sense, right? I can't. There's not a there's not a command line tool. I I deleted every file I'm aware of that feeds Safari on her system, and it didn't reset oh. her homepage. This is a good thing for Chrome, right? Because you could just delete Chrome. Well, so this is the problem: it. is she she had no other browser on her system, so I couldn't even oh. send her to web pages because she didn't have a browser. I was I was we were in messages, and she was started on her iPhone, and eventually I said, "Get on messages on your Mac." And I was sending, I was dragging like uh, anti malware apps into the chat for her to get them through a download through an iMessage transfer it was a mess and it turns out that for all of this and this is why I wanted to bring this up and why I'll write about it there is a really simple solution here and so I wanted to share it because maybe our listeners will experience this or experience this with family members Um, if you get this like blocker uh, first off, make sure they don't call the person. Make sure they don't let them share their screen or whatever. You, you know, and if they've done that, then it's even more problematic. And but but how you solve this Safari blocker problem is actually shockingly simple, which is you turn off Wi-Fi. You make sure they're not plugged into any networks because the way this works is not a page on on the hard drive that's getting loaded. It's a page on the internet that's getting loaded that loads mm-hmm. the JavaScript that does the blocker. So if you turn uh, off Wi-Fi and load Safari, it goes, oh, I can't find that page. At which point you can go to preferences and go to homepage and delete the weird homepage URL that's been inserted as your homepage. And then you're fine. Oh, I hate that it's that simple. So three hours to get to, why don't you turn off Wi-Fi? <laughs> but yeah. there it is. So I'm going to, I'll write about it. Then but. it just throws up the can't connect to the internet page and you're good to go, right? Yeah. 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 And, and unfortunately there, there, I mean, there are lots of other steps we tried. If you hold down shift, when you launch Safari, it's supposed to kind of like not do it, but it didn't work, right? Like I, I thought it was a rogue extension. I thought there was something. No, it was just this. It was the homepage thing, which is not solved. So I, I don't know what Apple can do here, but that well, that seemed like, and it sounds like maybe in El Capitan and Sierra, they added more, um, more stuff and she was running Yosemite. 
So I, it sounds like maybe this is solved in more modern versions. Mm-hmm. But of course, you know what? All of our relatives who ask us for technical help, they're not running Sierra, no. right? I'm not running they're Sierra. Running an, they're running an old, <laughs> they're not running El Capitan. They may not even be running Yosemite. They're running old versions. Anyway, so if, if this comes up in to anybody out there, try try uh, turning off all the networking and see if you can do that to get around it. Because that don't be like me and spend three hours troubleshooting this. Don't be like and this. From, and from Apple's perspective, yeah, again, maybe they fix this, but it would be awfully nice if I could go to maybe settings and have something I could click somewhere that erased, you know, that reset Safari outside of Safari. Um, I don't know. iOS, man. That's what you need. Maybe all right. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Encapsula. Encapsula is a cloud service that makes your website faster and safer. They have a worldwide network that can inspect every packet that comes and goes from your website, blocking attacks against your site whilst delivering your content to your customers faster than ever before. Encapsula's global network includes 30 data centers with 2 terabits of bandwidth. This network sits between your servers and your customers, routing and filtering traffic. It stops attack traffic by scraping bots and making sure denial-of-service attacks never make it to your servers. Meanwhile, they cache your content and optimize connections using their powerful CDN, so your users get your content lightning fast. Encapsula's custom software and servers, plus their 24-7 operations team, keep everything running smoothly as a listener of this show you can get one whole month of service for free all you need to do is go to encapsula.com slash upgrade that's i-n-c-a-p-s-u-l-a dot com slash upgrade this is where you can find out more about encapsula service and claim your free month thank you so much to encapsula for their support of this show and relay fm so let's talk about the touch bar shall we oh let's so uh, I spent some time this morning reading over your review. Uh, I really like and I'm very happy that you included a video with this uh, review to kind of give a, a real flavor for what's happening. Because, you know, this is one of the things like so far uh, we've seen videos, but they've been like real quick videos that people take in right. demo rooms. But you were able to sit down and try out a ton of applications, including some third party ones, and really give a, a, an idea for what is going on in the touch bar when you're accessing applications. And I believe that you were doing a screen capture um, and then actually recording yourself in, I assume, a very dark room uh, touching on the touch bar. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's about a five-minute video. Um, I decided I finished writing the story mostly on Friday, and uh, I, I spent most of Sunday morning doing the video. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, right. I mean, I don't do a lot of videos mostly because I, I, it, they take a lot of time, as you know, and y- I want to pick the spots where I think I've got something that actually benefits from it's video, but this it. seemed yeah. like, seemed obvious, right? Like I need to show people how this works. And, um, and the room wasn't that dark, but what I had to do is I, I basically put an iPhone on a tripod and with the glyph, um, uh, mounting it on the tripod. And I, uh, and I stopped down the the shutter, so basically I, I I had to make it way darker in order for the um for the the screen to be visible on it. So it looks like a dark room. It actually wasn't that dark, but I needed to make it dark so that you could see the touch bar clearly. Yep. And then yeah, and I ran a, a screen capture. Uh, discovered that uh, QuickTime helpfully <laughs> puts a big red button on the control strip <laughs> that says you are capturing the screen. 
uh, thanks. That's not what I needed. Uh, but anyway, I did a screen capture and also was videoing from kind of above and behind me the touch bar. And then I put those two composite those two things together so that people could see sort of like what was I doing on screen and what was I doing on the touch bar and how they connect. Because you can't really, first off, you can't capture video from the touch bar right now. You can no. capture screenshots, but you can't capture video. And uh, the second thing is, even if you could capture video from the touch bar, you can't see the fingers no. and what they're doing on the touch bar. Frankly, why that. would you need that? Like the the the, the, the use case of, of capturing it is so slim. Apple's not going to build that in for for a long time, if ever, into QuickTime. Well, plus it plus it has to get it it has to like get the video stream of itself through the you know through the processor through the T1. It might not even be able to. It may not, right? And so, anyway, so it was it was pretty easy to do it once I got the setup. Once I figured out like the tripod and. I, I, it was funny. I, I have this tripod that I um, that literally I got in high school to shoot videos, and I still have it. It weighs a ton, but I still have it. So I got it out. It was funny though. The the uh, tripod I got in the eighties with an iPhone seven plus on it, <laughs> <laughs> shooting four K video. That tripod uh, yeah. never could have imagined that camera, could it? Yeah. Uh, no, definitely not. Pretty amazing. That, that, that's had VHS camcorders on it, and it's had an iPhone 7 Plus shooting 4K video. Um, anyway, so I put it together, and, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with how the video turned out because I think it's, it's good to show people. It, it's, a new, it's a new user interface system, and I think, uh, it, it, you know, the real thing to do is to use it, but failing that, it's to see it in use, and that was what I was going for with the with the the video as the mm-hmm. I mean I also wrote 5000 words but I did make a 5 minute long video too so you know a little bit of both so there are I've seen this in your video in some of your photos and in photos I've seen elsewhere if you get the keyboard under the right light so like it's it's all evenly lit like you know like there's no light shining from it or you don't see any uh finger grease or anything like that on the keys the realness of like the display of the buttons of the touch bar, like how much they look like buttons. To me, it tricks my brain into thinking yes. it's all screen, not all buttons. Oh, interesting. So like it, like that the keyboard weird. is screen too. Yeah, because well, they I match. know that's a screen. So there's like this weird, and you wow, mentioned Uncanny Valley in yours, in your, in your I article, did. where it's like, I look at this, like I'm looking at your top image, right? Your your banner image with the uh, ginger molasses cookies, which I'm a big fan of that type of cookie, by the way. Just just FYI, yeah. Jason. They're, they're really good. That's, yes. yeah, they're uh, really good. If you look at like the left-hand side, right, of that, of that keyboard of the image where it's all like just dark, yeah. To me, like just looking at that whole thing, I'm like, I know my brain is like, there's some screen there. Maybe the whole thing's screen. It's really weird. It's like tricking mm. my head in a, in a strange, strange way. I think it's because those keys are so flat and they're so dark and they're pretty well illuminated now. It's a it's a weird mix. But this is a re- really, really roundabout way of saying that the touch bar screen does look really cool, and Apple have done a great job of integrating it. It looks more like part of the keyboard than part of the screen. Yeah, th- th- that's the goal. And so you're you're seeing your uncanny valley. You know, you're coming at it from the other angle here. But the idea here is that the the touch bar matches the screen. It's it's designed to be an input device. It is from from certain angles you can see that it's you know it's glass and it's shiny but not from where you're sitting if you're using the keyboard from there it looks much more matte and the idea you can even see it on that same image with the cookies on the left side it looks very black 
uh, just like the key next to it. All the way on the right side, where there's a little more of a reflection picking up because there's more light over there, it looks lighter, but so do the keys right below it, right? And that's the idea here, is that it's trying to match... It, the whole goal is to make it feel like an extension of the keyboard, and I think they succeeded. It's not a keyboard, right, because it mm-hmm. doesn't have physical buttons, but it it's not... It's not an iPad either. Like it, it is, and the way you use it is very much as part of the keyboard. It's part of the keyboard process. It's not, it's not a third touch area, nor is it a second trackpad. It really feels like it's part of the keyboard. I had a, I had a, a realization at some point. Um, so I, I, our friend James Thompson, uh, who does PCALC, he kept sending me builds uh, that he's working on of PCALC with touch bar support. And the first build he sent me, I one of the buttons on the touch bar was to do a, a conversion, like a, just like Fahrenheit to Celsius or whatever. Uh, so you, you just have conversions. And what it did was it brought up his conversions dialog on the screen. And then I would need to move my mouse out there and pick which one and, and, and choose OK. And I had that moment of realization of like, oh, that's not good. Like the last thing I want to do when I'm in kind of keyboard mode is trigger a thing that makes me take my hands back off the keyboard, move down mm-hmm. to the trackpad, mouse up, and click on something. And I think that was my moment of realization that although I kind of throw a uh, keyboard and trackpad into one bucket, which is like input into my Mac, they're not, right? They're not the same. And there are keyboard-driven people, and there are, are mouse and, and trackpad-driven people, and other people are kind of in the middle. There's a spectrum there, right, where people want to do all keyboard shortcuts and stuff. And, and, and sometimes for RSI reasons and other things like that, they want to minimize the mousing that they do. And other people are very into mousing. They're visual people. They like to click on the icons. You tell them that they can hit Command-Shift-Z to do the same thing, and they're like, yeah, but the icon's right there. I'm just going to click on that icon. But what I found with the touch bar is it's part of the keyboard. Like when I'm on the keyboard, I want to be on the keyboard. And the last thing I want to do is like, do, 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 keyboard. Oh, now I need to move down to the mouse, go up, click something, do, 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 do. Now I'm back on the keyboard. Wouldn't it be better if I stayed on the keyboard? If I, if I could, because switching from one to the other, and it doesn't matter whether you're on the trackpad or on the keyboard, from one to the other, you're going to take a little bit of a hit. So I told I told this to James, and I don't know if he was already working on it or not, or whether I influenced him, but I told this to James because he's just using the simulator, and he sent me a build where instead of it triggering the function or the the conversion image on screen, what it did is bring up a list of favorite or recent conversions you've done in pcalc on the touch bar. So I touch conversion and it says Celsius to Fahrenheit and I tap that and it does it. And I was like, that's it. Yep. Like that's the that's difference the is, is I'm staying on the keyboard. And so that was, it's stuff like that where it's, you know, it, 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 it taught me that, that Apple has taken a lot of care. I imagine that they spent a lot of time debating and, and, and watching how people use different approaches to this. And you still see it in some of the, the ways different apps implement the touch bar. Like, it's kind of all over the place. Like, I think some of them I use and I go, oh, yeah, this is exactly right. And others I'm like, I don't really understand what's going on here. And over time, I think we'll all kind of figure out together what the best practices are for this. But Apple's given it a lot of thought. And it definitely struck me that... Um, that this is what they figured out is it's part of the keyboard. Like it, that is its purpose. And no, you can't feel it like you can feel physical keys, but I would make the argument that nobody really touch types or very few people really touch type 
F keys. Like I don't touch type F keys. And so I was always looking down to press a function key anyway. This isn't that different. Um, it's different if you've got like a big slider and stuff like that. That's a very different kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we'll see how people adapt to that. But when it's just sort of like extra buttons that change based on what you need and you can quickly tap them and you know that in the calculator like it's really cool to be able to in i, I would use both apple's calculator and james's uh, pcalc like it used to be if i wanted to take the square root of something and there's probably a keyboard shortcut but i never used it um I would like type the number on the keyboard and then I move to the mouse and push my cursor to the square root button and click it. And then I get the square root. Well, with a touch bar, I put in the number and then I tap square root on the touch bar and there's my answer. And I've never left the keyboard and that's better. I mean, that is better. <laughs> so this kind of uh, leads into something that you, you said in the video and you kind of echoed it in, in the, I first saw the video. So you said it in the video, you echo it in the review as well. Um, and I'm going to paraphrase you a little bit, but you basically said that the touch bar kind of helps you keep your fingers in the keyboard position without needing to reach for the trackpad. Now, this is very counter to all of the uh, upset that people were feeling before this was announced, right? The idea of like, this is going to ruin my touch typing experience. This is going to be a way I'm going to have to keep reaching up there and and that kind of thing. So this, it seems to me at least that like, as you're someone who's a touch typist, that this is actually helping you improve your keyboard experience because you're staying on the keyboard as opposed to, as you say, reaching for the trackpad. It just, this just seems counter to what I think we were expecting. Yeah. I, it surprised me a little bit too, but it definitely was that feeling like it's not something I really anticipated, but it's what I ended up experiencing that when I've got my hands, you know, I'm, I'm, as I'm talking here, I've got my, my 10 fingers sort of spread out in like mm-hmm. keyboard positions. Like I've got my hands out and, and in keyboard position, right? And I'm doing things on my computer that are like, ta- you know, typey, 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 whether it's in a text window or it's something else. I'm doing something very keyboardy. And then in other contexts, I will be entirely like on my trackpad and maybe there, maybe I've got one hand on, a keyboard shortcut or something, but that's a very different kind of mode. And what I, and that's the part that I discovered is that when you're in typing, typey, typey mode, there are some times when you have to come off the keyboard in order to do something to interact with the app that you're using. And, uh, and that's often because there's no keyboard shortcut or you don't know it. There may be one, but you don't know it. You just, for whatever reason, you haven't learned it. Because you can learn all the keyboard shortcuts, seriously. Right. And so what, what you end up doing, right, and discoverability is part of this too, um, that that like I used headings and notes that I've never used before. And there's a keyboard shortcut, it's like Command-Shift-H to do a heading. But I, I on this, I was like, oh, I could just tap the touch bar and go style, header, got it. Um, and that was different. So anyway, I, when, I'm in that, when I'm in that mode of typing, I think that's one of the big... Um, one of the big changes is I, I suddenly I've got these other options that allow me to do rather than taking my hands out into into push the cursor on the screen mode and go up to the top of the window and click the button to do the thing I want to do and then maybe go back to the keyboard. Instead, if that if that interface button is on the touch bar, my hands are staying in typing position and I'm reaching up with a finger and going boop. And then coming and then continuing along my way, and I know that's a little thing, but I I be, I got to appreciate the fact that that was um, that was a useful thing, and there is as small as it might seem, maybe it's a micro distraction or something, but it's a mode shift when you go from 
my hands are in keyboard position to my hands are in driving the mouse on the screen position. And I think good touch bar apps let you reduce the number of times you need to switch. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes right? sense. Uh, and switching from t- from trackpad to keyboard is also a mode switch, right? I mean, that, yep. that's, that's, uh, that's the challenge. I would argue maybe that, yeah, uh, trackpad in one hand and hand on a keyboard doing copies and pastes and things like that is not quite the same as the full-on typing feel. It's a little bit different. Um, and I do that all the time, but, uh, yeah, I don't do know. Do you feel it's that, like that the, yeah. the, the modes are broken when you're using sliders on the touch bar? Uh, maybe. Okay. Cause that's more I mean, of I, a track paddy thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think everybody, look, uh, Christina Warren's piece at, uh, Gizmodo about this. She said how much she loved the Final Cut Pro stuff. And I really didn't like it. Okay. And some of that may be just having to get used to it, but it was very complicated um, at, at points where there was like a slider and all of this stuff. And I and I was thinking to myself, is this better, you know, than using my trackpad or using, uh, well, using my trackpad to make a gesture or using my trackpad to drive something on the screen? And it, it's certainly different, right? And I think that's one of the things we all have to learn is is having that touch surface with the screen feedback where you're doing like swiping and and stuff like that um is that what what kind of mode is that is that a totally new mode is that an extension of the keyboard um it doesn't feel like an extension of the keyboard to me it feels like an alternative uh touch interface um and that's that I, you know i don't know I, I don't know where this is going to go because we could speculate about the trackpad turning into a screen too, right? And they, they haven't done that, but they could do that at some point. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it Those interfaces didn't work for me like the more kind of button exposing interesting features uh, stuff worked for me. I want you to try and explain to me, Jason, the control strip. I have no idea if I'm missing something here, but I am very <laughs> confused and continue to be very confused about what the control strip is, what it does, when it's there, when it isn't. And and I think part of this is, I think that Apple are trying to be too cute in giving a part of this touch bar a name that kind of harkens back to classic Mac. Yeah. In the attempt to try and like make some Mac people happy. Because what they've done is they've created a new thing which has its own brand and then they've created a sub-brand within it. Like cuz the, the control strip is being referred to as this thing when really it should just be like the permanent buttons on the touch bar. That's what that's what, that's what they should be referred well, to in my mind, but calling it control strip it only makes it more confusing to me because quite frequently i mix control strip and touch bar up in my head as what they actually are huh well i i mean I, my argument would be that it's a little bit like referring to the max menu bar like the menu bar is part of the display but it's it's a, a special part of it and that's that's how the controls that's what the control strip is it's well, it's not but then it's always almost there, always there though. if it was always there a hundred percent of the time then fine that's that's the control strip corner, but that's not even it's, how it works, right? 
it it's there most of the time. It's actually it's it's there except it's there except when it's not. <laughs> Nothing no, it, like some consistency. <laughs> well, no, it's it's there basically. Though, if you think of it as a layer, like the bottom layer of the touch bar is the control strip and the application area. The control strip is three or four buttons on the right side, and then everything else is the application area. That's the bottom layer. Now, one of the things you can do with the touch bar is open an overlay where you basically tap on something and something comes up that's a layer on top of it. And there's a little X at the far left that lets you close it again. When you open an overlay, it overlays the touch bar. So the touch bar is always there except if you're in kind of a modal... uh, uh, context where you've opened a a thing like the emoji picker Uh, the idea there is it wants to give touch bar wants to give the most most space possible to uh essentially a new window a new layer that you've opened that you opened yourself that the app can't do it but that you did it you opened this thing using the touch bar so if i tap the emoji picker the emoji picker takes the whole touch bar space it doesn't just leave the uh the control strip on the side uh, but but it's it's modal and it's got the x on the left to tell you that you can clear out of it and then you go back down to the first layer which is app step on the left and control strip on the right so control strip is mostly there so the only things that can hide control strip are modal views within touch bar i think so <laughs> um Modal things and touch ID things, which are kind of modal too, right? Mm-hmm. Because the touch ID label comes up right where the touch bar or where the control strip is. See, I did it. And points the little arrow at the touch ID and says, touch it, touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, yeah, as far as I could tell, and there's things that are inconsistent. Um, that QuickTime recording thing, uh, for example, it, like it was there and then it, it, at one point it went away and I couldn't figure out why it went away. Sometimes iTunes loses track of, or the system loses yeah, track of what that. iTunes is playing. There, there are bugs. You know, there are some bugs here. But for the most part, I think that's how it's supposed to work. That's what it's meant to be, is that the control strip stays on that base level. But if you usher something else up by tapping on something that pops up uh, a new strip on top, or if you tap the left side of the control strip to bring up like the full on... Because th- I think that's the more confusing thing about the control strip, is when you tap the little arrow on the left side of the control strip it brings up a whole big control strip that's not the same like it doesn't just reveal more to the left the ones that are that are in your standard control strip go away and are replaced with this like new layer of control strip and it's all customizable although again differently customizable like you can't put the same buttons on the big control strip that you put on the small control strip oh, i'm so yeah, confused you, jason you have I've, different oh options there <laughs> I think, see, right? That's more confusing to me because I can I can get with the, the the control strips on the bottom layer, but but then you can expand the control strip, but it doesn't really expand it. It it kind of brings up a new level of con- like a, a a full full on control strip instead. Control control strip is such a bad name. It doesn't. It it absolutely does not explain what is there to me. Like I just don't. I just don't get it. It, it, right. it should have a different name in my mind. But like, the idea is, so the idea is, it's like the system. I mean, they, 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 you know, I guess menu bar is already taken, or toolbar, or something like that. Like but, system shortcuts, or like yeah, system keys, because that's that's what it is. I mean, 
ideally one day third parties will be able to put stuff in there that would be really nice that's the one thing that i think this is apple opened so much up to third parties that i'm not going to complain too much about it because the, all third party apps can use touch id now um and i use one password and it works great third party apps have access to that touch bar now that's great too what they don't do is they can't drop things in control strip which would be kind of nice because if you had the ability to key off some sort of system-wide macro or whatever you that would be really cool to have there but you can't do that yet so, but that's what it's for. It's for it's for volume and brightness and Siri and and all of that sort of thing. That's why it's there. Maybe it should have just been called Control Center, and then everybody would understand what that was. Well, maybe so. Because, yeah, it's like Control Center made sense because there was already Notification Center, but you know, right? I don't mind the name Control Strip because I've got I've got that history with it, yep. and it is kind of like the old Control Strip, kind of, sort of. Um, but it, it's probably. I could see your point that it's maybe a little too cute. Yeah. There is a, a Will in the chat room mentioned. There is. Can you explain what Touche is? He's, he's given me a, a link. This is something that Daniel Jalcott has made. Oh, yeah. So Daniel Jalcott wrote an app called Touche that basically lets you do an emulated touch bar on your Mac if you've mm-hmm. got the the build of OS X that is the one that ships on these systems. So right. you can download it and install it. And it's a, it's it's a new... <laughs> Gotta love Apple sometimes. It's a later build of 10.12.1. So it's 10.12.1, but it's a more recent 10.12.1 <laughs> that ships on these new systems. It's a later build, which I don't know why you wouldn't call that 10.12.2. How do you get this later build of 10.12.1? He's Daniel Jalkett on, on the site, he's got a link to... Uh, to it, you can get you can download it from Apple as an installer, oh, and oh, then just run it as oh, an OS right. update. And you're updating ten twelve one to ten twelve one. Anyway, if you do that, if you've got the later version or or a future version ten twelve two and on anything that's got the Touch Bar stuff put in there that wasn't in there before because they didn't want to give it away, and then they put that image in that gave it away. Um, if you have that, you can run Touche, and it will show you like what the Touch Bar would show, and you can take screenshots and stuff like that. So that's that's what it is. To tie up November's episodes uh, into a question for you, what does the touch bar say about Apple's current attitude to the Mac? Does it show if they care and how much? And does it indicate how, or to you at least, how you think that the, the Mac platform should change? I think it absolutely shows that they care because of the amount of work they put into it. Now, we can we can... I think the answer is going to be everybody gets their own opinion about if this is what they should care about, mm-hmm, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it shows that they care. This is if you they might not care about your thing, but they care about it as a whole, the platform. Yeah, if Apple didn't care about the Mac, why would they build entirely new tech based on iOS stuff uh, with a custom processor and a custom, you know, this custom screen? And, and that, that really on, if you're, if you've got these models, um, changes the Mac UI, like it adds a whole other layer of Mac UI Mm -hmm. that didn't exist before. If Apple really felt like, look, the Mac is good. It's fine. It's a legacy system. Let's just eke it out for as long as we can. They wouldn't have made this product. They wouldn't. Yeah, I expect the person hours of development on this is much higher than usual because they had to get all of the separate application teams to update for this all right and to add this which they don't they, they very rarely have something that that does this outside of like a full os update right like there's some new feature that all of the apps have to support yeah here, here are the apps that apple 
had to update to support touch bar. So in addition to building the touch bar and all the hardware that went into that and touch ID and everything they had to do with that and, and getting the secure enclave to talk to the Mac system and, and have that be secure, they had to update. Well, they did update. They probably wanted to update others too, and they didn't, but they updated Activity Monitor, Calculator, Calendar, Contacts, Finder, Final Cut Pro, GarageBand, iMovie, iTunes, Keynote, Mail, Maps, Messages, Numbers, Pages, Photos, Preview, QuickTime Player, Safari, System Preferences, and Terminal, plus a bunch of other apps like TextEdit, Stickies, Notes, and Script Editor that use the standard uh, text uh, interface pickup uh, touch bar, but I think maybe they did that for free or for cheap. But they updated a lot of apps. So this was a huge effort on the software on the Mac software side. I love the activity monitors in there. Oh yeah. <laughs> the person dealing with activity monitor, you know, they're just having their moment in the sun. You know? Yeah, and term- terminal and activity monitor. Those are key utilities that uh <laughs> they have they, they they did it. They I use activity monitor all the time. Really? I love it. What I do. For? Uh, see if there, what, why is my system behaving strangely? What, what app is behaving weirdly? Can I force quit it? Can I get it to go away? Um, what's the, you know, am I, am I, am I right that my computer is slow? Is something taking a lot of CPU cycles? I, mean, I use it a little less now that I have iStat menus, but I still use it. Yeah. All if the time. I have any of those problems, I will open activity monitor, but I very rarely have any problems oh. that need me to open activity monitor. Oh. I yeah I I'm I'm in there. I was just using it last night because I ran the I ran uh, uh, Geekbench on a bunch of mm-hmm. these systems. And Activity Monitor is great because you can see if like the photo uh, photo library sync or the photo uh, detection the machine learning is running because that will that will kill when you you can't just start up a system brand new and run a benchmark on it because it's going to index like all your files with spotlight and it's going to yep. do all these photo things and it's so i i just used that last night to make sure that the like everything had calmed down and i didn't and i didn't have like processes running in the background that i didn't want so, want to run so that i could get kind of a fair uh fair test but anyway the, the larger point here is yeah this is a this is a huge investment in apple on something new on the mac and i think if they didn't care why would they do that i i do wonder if this is one of the reasons why the mac has seemed so logy for so long is that there's only so much investment apple wants to do in the mac and they kind of poured it all into this while everything else kind of stayed put at least for now and again Mm -hmm. maybe maybe there since this was supposedly rumored to be coming out this summer perhaps they've already moved on and are working on something else now that we'll see next spring but i that may be part of it that this was so ambitious that it took more out of the mac you know prioritization queue than than perhaps um you know than perhaps they intended or you know it 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 slowed something else down but it totally shows they care now you could argue it's like well it's just the macbook pro it's not on any other systems it's not even on all the macbook pros that's true two-thirds of the max apple cells are laptops though so you could see i was having this conversation on twitter earlier today you could see like this will motive app developers will be motivated mac app developers will be motivated to support the touch bar because if apple sticks with this touch bar thing it will eventually be on all their laptops and maybe on external keyboards at some point too but even if it's just on laptops that's two-thirds of the macs and that means that if if it's not available on a majority of macs at some point it will be probably pretty close that's a few years out but i'd also throw in there that if you're a mac developer you're looking you know you're hungry i would think for um original 
foundational features of Mac OS because there aren't, you know, they don't do that many of them, right? It tends not to be, Mac yeah. is much more sleepy now. And this is a big one. So I think, I think developers are going to be excited. And I think it's going to be something that, um, that is fairly widely used eventually just because the laptop is the, you know, the definitive Mac, if there is one, is a laptop because for a long time they've sold way more laptops than they have desktops. Last question for you. Um, if somebody bought the MacBook Escape, the MacBook with the function row, the hard function row, the actual keys there, should they regret this decision? So it's a tough question because, you know, it's like a, it's, you know. That's a personal regret. I, I would say, you know, a big part of it is that it's um, it is price, right? This yeah. is a this is a much more expensive. These The 13 and the 15, they're much more expensive. Well, maybe the, a better question is, is the extra price worth these two features? The touch, touch strip, the control center. Oh, my word. What is it called? Touch bar? <laughs> touch, touch bar. bar. Uh, I'm being control serious. Strip. I wasn't, I wasn't trolling. Like, I just can not remember the name. See, this is where the names fit. Touch bar and touch ID. Mm-hmm. Control ID, you mean, right? Yep. Yes, ID strip, finger control. Uh, uh-huh. Is are they worth the extra money? Like the extra? What is it? Like maybe a thousand dollars or something? Well, it's so. It's more than. I mean, this is this is how they get you, right? It's more than just the touch bar. So it, it's also like the thirteen escape has a two gigahertz i five. The the 13 touch bar base model has a 2.9 gigahertz i5. So it's not just the touch bar and touch ID. It's also faster. And that's $300 different. Yes. Yeah, th- I said a thousand. I just threw that out there. It's 300. Yeah. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you go up to the 15 from the 13, it's, it's a big difference, but it's, it's a $300 difference. So, you know, I think what I'd say is Apple rarely charges less than $200 for a, 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 a small, even a small processor bump when you do a build to order. And the the bump between the escape version and the touch bar version of $300, you get a, fa- a much faster processor and the touch bar. You get two more ports. So I would say the the reason you get the non-touch bar um, MacBook Pro is either that you really love physical function keys or you you absolutely can't justify an extra $300. That the price is just you have a very limited budget and uh you know getting to 14.99 was hard enough and you don't want to go further up. So um, if you or, have the extra cash, if you have the you have the ability to spend that extra money, you should I got to say, I mean, everybody can decide for themselves, but for $300 more, you get the faster processor and the touch bar and touch ID. If you, I don't think, I mean, like I said, Apple puts specs, build to order specs for a faster processor and it's, it's 200 or $250 when they, when they do it. Usually it's a big change. And this is a, from a two gigahertz to a 2.9 gigahertz i5. It's a big, it's a big step up. So, um, in the end, these are expensive computers. If you want more than 256 SSD, you're going to pay through the nose for that. If you want more than 8 gigs of RAM, you're going to pay through the nose. So it's neither of these systems is going to be 1499 or 1799, right? If you want to spec them up. And so that's part of your judgment too. But I, I, I think the $300 difference for 
the two extra ports, the touch bar and touch ID, and the faster processor, that's a pretty reasonable dollar difference for what you get. I don't I, I don't think that the that the 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 base model touch bar thirteen mm-hmm. is unreasonably priced over the escape. Okay. I think I think I think that I think that's a reasonable price. Now that may not be enough. Like I said, there are plenty of reasons why it might not be enough. But I look at the difference between the, those two systems and think, wow, only three hundred dollars for all of that extra stuff? That's not bad. Like that that could be if you would ask me to pick a number out for just the touch bar and touch ID with the specs all being the same, I might say three hundred dollars that Apple would do. But you also get the processor boost. There you go. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. So you're racing against the clock to wrap up free projects. You're getting ready to prep for a client meeting later in the afternoon. You're dreaming of your touch bar, all whilst trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. This is life as a freelancer, ladies and gentlemen. This life can be rewarding, but it can also be very challenging as well. And our friends at FreshBooks believe the rewards are worth it, and they build tools to make those challenges easier for all of us. With the growth of the internet, the working world has changed. There's never been more opportunities for the self-employed. I have this whole rant about uh, the the millennial generation and the, you know I was levying this to Casey uh, a couple of days ago after the discussion on ATP where they were talking about millennials and I was very frustrated about that because I believe that the you know many of the things that people think about millennials that they don't want uh, regular jobs it I believe a lot of that comes from the fact that we are the internet generation and there are now more opportunities than ever could have existed before I consider myself a millennial and I work on the internet for a living. And the reason I do that is because I wanted to live that life. I wanted to live the life of having the job that I wanted. Anywho, that's a real tangent to say that FreshBooks has been working tirelessly on an all-new version of their cloud accounting software to help the people that are self-employed and especially those who are internet minded. The new FreshBooks has been redesigned from the ground up and is custom built to work exactly the way that you do. You'll be more productive, more organized, whilst also being paid quickly. Faster than anybody else. We all know, if you listen to any FreshBooks ever before, FreshBooks customers get paid up to four days faster than anybody else because their system is so simple. Once their online payments go out, once their invoices go out with the online payment functionality built in, it's super simple. Your clients are just going to pay you. The new FreshBooks is so easy to use. It's packed full of powerful features. You can create and send professional looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. Now in a new WYSIWYG interface, so you'll see the invoice exactly how your client will as you're building it i mentioned those online payments you can set them up in just a few clicks and add them to your invoice so your clients can pay you super super simply you can see when your client has seen your invoice and they have an all-new notification system that you can think of as like a personal assistant every time that you log in you'll get an update and watch changed with your business and you'll be told the things that need your attention straight away. FreshBooks is focused on the age-old question of how is my business doing? And they have redesigned their system around this idea, focusing on simplicity and clarity. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. It's unrestricted use, so you can go and try it out for yourself. Just go to freshbooks.com upgrade, enter the code upgrade in the how you heard about us section. So type in upgrade where it says, how did you hear about us? So they know that you came to them from this show. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for their support of Upgrade and Relay FM. I was not expecting to take that little rant in the middle of the spot there, but I did. And 
if you have skipped the ad, you should now go back and listen to it because I had some stuff to say. And plus, you should always listen to the ads anyway. Uh, let's should. let's talk about mobile recording gear again. <laughs> I feel like it's oh, all good. we talk about this these days. Because uh, for anybody keeping score, uh, I just bought a house. Like I actually own it now. Um, if you're keeping score with like kind of like where I am across this process, across the various shows, we own the home, we have the keys, it's ours. Um, and we have a lot of contractors visiting. I'm actually going there tonight because I have a plumber coming at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Ooh, is that going to be your first night sleeping there? Uh, if we sleep there, we may actually stay in a hotel which is across the street. The place is not like <laughs> completely ready yet. Like the, the 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 like mainly with plumbing being one of the things that we need taking sure. care of. So that's not, the plumber. Yeah, once the plumber's been. And tomorrow, and and hopefully got everything done as we need it. Then yes, we can start staying there. Um, so because of this, uh, uh, because we have multiple contractors coming multiple times for for many different things, I am going to have to record some shows from this empty apartment. Right. So I need gear that can help me with that. And I have amassed a list of items. So I just want to run through this list of items with you, Jason. Okay. Before you do that, let me uh, let me ask you mm-hmm. some other things. So you live in East London. I live and you're just east of London. So east like, of te- London, technically, I am just outside of what is considered the London border. In the is east. it? Would it be a- Essex? Is it's that what we would call technically it? Technically classed as Essex. Yes. Okay. Uh, but you're moving to South London. Yep. But not south of London. No, it's, it's this is considered South you, London. Yeah. You'll be properly in South London. How long? So you're shuttling back and forth a lot. How long is that? Currently, it, it depends on my mode of transport, like from from place to place. It will take me about ninety minutes to get there via public transport, and about thirty five to forty if I was to take an Uber or something. And oh, okay. uh, I'm kind of splitting that depending on what I'm going there for and when. So, like, because we will be leaving here very late this evening, we'll take an Uber. Uh, if I'm just traveling in the daytime, it's like a train. If I've got a bunch of boxes with me, then maybe I'll take an Uber, that kind of thing. So um, it's all right. It's, yeah, because I'm just trying to imagine moving that distance um, and not having a car is going yeah. to be a challenge. Yep. Yep. But hopefully <laughs> yeah. it, won't, it won't be for very long. A couple of weeks, yeah. maybe. Okay. Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna take in an Uber or in your backpack or something. Uh, uh, your packing list of uh, Mike records podcasts in an empty house. Yeah, some of this stuff is gonna stay there after I take it there today, um, but some stuff I'll be bringing backwards and forwards. So this list currently consists of the MacBook Adorable, which I have kept. Um, I have now adorned right. it with stickers. It is part of the. Crew. Oh, that's that's it. It's in the. It's in the. Uh... Uh, it's forever yours. Yep. It's I've in the Mike been, collection. Uh, it's in the collection. <laughs> I've been actually editing uh, a show on it today, um, like a, a heavy edit of a show, and it's been absolutely fine. Now, I know sure. the, the, the parts where it will cause struggles is doing things like bouncing the show, so like exporting it out. But to be honest, yeah. I don't care about that because... I know it's going to do that. I know it's going to take longer. I'll just let it do its thing and I'll do something else. But my, feet, my all, all I care about is can I perform the actual tasks to the, my usual abilities? And, and it so far seems like, yes, I can. You know, I have... It seems, it seems funny 
uh, and and it's very easy to get jaded about like having a big 5K iMac or something like that. But I have edited hundreds of podcasts on an 11 inch MacBook Air. Like I've got the mid mid 2013 MacBook Air right now. Um, I have edited so many podcasts on this thing, and it's not. It's an 11-inch MacBook Air, right? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. fine. So, and the, the that MacBook is uh, quite similar, I think, in all respects, other than the beautiful screen, uh, to this to this particular MacBook Air that I've got. So, it's a totally suitable system for editing audio. It's quite possibly the greatest form factor of any Mac that I've ever used. The lightness and thinness of that thing is just incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. I I like am in love with the form factor. It's perfect. I think like the eleven inch eleven inch MacBook was great. I mean, I had one of those. I used one of those for many years, and it was great for that reason. This thing blows that away from a form factor perspective. It's the it's the spiritual successor. It's it fills that same slot, but it is it, it's a beautiful system. Um, yeah. It is. However, I don't love the keyboard, but that you know. trackpad. That's why I have problems with the trackpad. Uh, the the magic trackpad or whatever it's called on any of the laptops. Again, I think it has a different name on the laptops. I hate. I hate it. I hate it so much. I I love my standalone one. It's perfect. You would never yeah, even know on any of the laptops. I cannot stand it. It feels terrible. It feels terrible, especially on the 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 really thin one, right? Like the the MacBook. I ju- it just feels terrible to me. It just doesn't feel like it's clicking at all. I I don't like it. Do you uh do you get missed clicks? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I've always had that yeah. problem. Uh, uh, Stephen has the um or had the uh the, the first one that first MacBook Pro that had the the trackpad in it, and I, it would miss my clicks constantly. I've I've had that on the Touch Bar MacBook Pro too. That mm-hmm. I I never experienced it before, but it it misses like, and it seems random. And I I thought it was originally like my shirt was pressing into it or something like that. But no, it just sometimes every tenth or fifteenth click, just one of the clicks doesn't click, and you yep. got to take your finger off and put it back down, and then it clicks again. And I've never experienced that on my Mac on my uh, Magic Trackpad on my desk. Nope, never. I never have that problem either. But I have it constantly. I have just loads of problems. I just don't like it. Anywho, let's go back to the list. Yeah. MacBook Adorable, the MacBook Charger. I have an Anchor yep. USB-C hub. So it has power pass-through from USB-C Good. to USB-C and four USB ports. Good. Because, you know, you need, to, you need to have power and have a microphone to exactly. record a podcast. I have... Uh, I'm going to be taking the Apple USB-C to a dongle just in case something doesn't work with the one that I have. Okay. A microphone... I'm going to be taking a sure. What is the one that I have? The this the one you have is the one you take with oh. you. The beta. Oh, the the beta beta fifty eight A. Yeah, so it's the nice one, not the really expensive one. Right. So take one of those. The J- it's the Jason one, not the Marco one. The Jason one. <laughs> uh, an yeah. XLR cable, uh, a microphone stand. The apartment is completely empty, so I have bought a a foam microphone shield in the hopes that it will somehow maybe possibly help with some of the inevitable echo. Yeah. Um, so it's just like this little foam surround. It might help, it might not, but it's all I can do. Um, yeah. I'm taking my EE mobile Wi-Fi LTE thing, because we don't have internet in the place yet. Yeah, which is fine, because you essentially don't have internet now, no. so that's However, no change. I have a new problem in that uh, cell connection is not very good in the new place. Oh, no. <laughs> I just can't escape it. So this won't be a problem when we get 
broadband when we get because we're getting we're getting fiber but right now we don't have it so we'll see what happens over the next couple of days who knows yeah uh, i'm taking a tascam usb audio interface to plug my microphone into and then to plug sure. that into the to the mac pro and also an ipad pro so i can actually get some real work done while i'm there <laughs> boom zing uh yeah so that's, I, that, I could that do good. this that's with nice less backpacks stuff. worth like you could uh, i could remove the mac completely from this you could um, but I want to try and maintain as much audio quality as possible because it's not going to sound as good as normal. I know that uh, because I don't think, for me, that microphone sounds as good, even though it sounds fine. But, you know, for me, it doesn't sound as good. Yeah. Uh, and there's going to be echo, um, yep. which I'm, I will be able to get rid of some of, but not all because that's just the nature of echo. Uh, but I, I want to try and minimize the effect on the listener as much as possible. They don't need to go through this with me, right? <laughs> you know? So... Uh, I want to try and minimize that as much as possible whilst I'm doing this uh, over the next couple of weeks, I think it's going to be, um, where I'm actually going to be shuttling back and forth. Um, so we'll say I have no idea if and how it's even going to work, right? Like, I have no idea, right? This this Wi-Fi thing might just crap out on me completely, and then I can't right. do it, and then I'll have to go to plan B, which I don't have. Um, I have no idea how it's going to sound. I don't even know where I'm going to sit, Jason. I don't really have any furniture in that place. Yeah, there's probably a counter in the kitchen or something you could use. I could do that. However, that will cause the most echo possible. Yeah. Because the, the kid, so I, I will probably be recording in what will be mega office because it's the smallest room. Right. Um, we're going to be laying a, down on the floor. <laughs> well, I have a table and chairs. Okay, good. But I don't think I can get the table out of the door in the living room to get it into the office because uh, it's too big um and i have an inflatable mattress we need macgyver to come and solve your problems with well let's see what, what are our assets we've got a table we got some chairs we got an inflatable mattress oh well i can build a podcast studio for you well i so i thought I, what will probably end up happening is i will be bringing the chair from the Table and chairs into the office. Uh huh. You put the you'll put your microphone shield on that. Yep. Oh, I have a microphone and then sit on stand the floor. as well. And no, and that so I will sit on. Oh, the you have, chair. Yeah, microphone stand. Okay. I bought a, I bought a microphone stand for this as well. So I'll put and then I have it all in front in front of me. There is yeah. also the possibility of sitting in a closet, but I don't know if I want to do that. Actually, no, I can't do that because the only closet I could fit in doesn't have a light in it, and I'm not going to sit in the dark. So. <laughs> This is my yeah. life, ladies and gentlemen, for the next couple of weeks. And I just want to clue wow. you all in on it so you know what to expect. That's exciting. I um, actually don't think there will be an up. I have no plans to record an upgrade from there. But as it stands currently, I will be recording Connected, The Pen Addict, Cortex, um, and maybe something I haven't mentioned to you yet, a standalone mic at the movies episode, which is not including you. Ooh. Um, I may also be recording from there this week. So many movies for Mike. Yep, lost all the great movies. Uh, and I, maybe maybe there'll be some next week, and, and, and then upgrade will be included. But hopefully, I will only need to be there this week. We we should uh, hopefully have the majority of this work done this week, which would be amazing. <sighs> but then I'll have Mega Office. Yeah, and then we'll be able to talk about all of the great things that I'm putting in there because I have I have grand plans, Jason. Grand plans. That's good. It's it's all part of a process, but the transitional stuff is it's it's hard. I remember that when when we moved 
to the distance doesn't help either. I mean, that that's the thing that that's why I asked about yep. that. Is yep. When we moved to this county from the county we previously lived in, that was a challenge because that was a that was a long way to go. So we couldn't just pop over. You know, moving in a town, moving uh, a couple miles away, you can just keep popping back and forth, mm-hmm. and you have a big move, but you can also have the little stuff here and there. And uh, when it was when it was distant, it was very difficult because we could only do that a few times. And uh, yep, yeah. So yeah, like I'm popping back and Ooh. forth, but my pops are very large. It's a big <laughs> pop. It's a it's a big, big pop. pop because Mega pop. I don't really want to stay there on my own. I just don't really want... There are no comforts in this place at all right now. So I'm planning on traveling backwards and forwards every day with the exception of like t- tomorrow because we're going to be staying locally because I, I really don't want to wake up at half past five in the morning to, to start this process. Right. Um, so there you go. This is it. So we should uh, we should probably wrap up today with some Ask Upgrade. Uh, this Sounds week's good. Ask Upgrade is brought to you by Casper, the company focused on sleep that put their brightest minds on creating the perfect mattress. They will sell that to you directly, and this will help eliminate those commission-driven inflated prices that you may see from showrooms. Casper keeps all of the savings by eliminating the showroom process and, and gives that to you so they keep their costs down. And this mattress, it's award-winning. It isn't just some fly-by-night mattress. This was developed in-house by Casper's team as a sleek design. It's delivered in an impossibly small box. It combines springy latex foam and supportive memory foam that creates the mattress that creates, gives you just the right sink and just the right bounce, as you know. And it has that breathable design to help you regulate your temperature throughout the night. It is obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price. For example, you can get a Casper mattress from $500 for a twin size, for a twin size, yes, for a 600 for a twin XL, $750 for a full size, $850 for queen, and $950 for a king. To put this in comparison, mattresses that you're used to buying in showrooms could cost you well over $1,500, which is more expensive than any of Casper's offering and all of their mattresses are made in America. So the Casper mattress team, they don't just make mattresses. Casper also now makes an adaptive pillow and soft breathable sheets as well. Buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. They offer free delivery and free returns to the US and Canada with a 100-night home trial. If you don't love it, They'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash upgrade and using the code upgrade. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much to Casper for their support of this show and Relay FM. Casper mattresses. Thank you. Oh, look at that. Ask upgrade. Can I use a MacBook Pro charger with a USB-C to lightning cable to fast charge my iPad Pro, or would that be too much power, asks Lucas. I think it's fine, because I think your Mac, your iPad Pro will just take the power that it requires. Yeah, I, I, I somebody works. was explaining this to me recently, and I may be misremembering it, but it's, it's good to go down, bad to go up is my understanding. So, like, if you have a, a 
a brick for a more powerful machine, you can use it on a less powerful machine, but you shouldn't go the other way. That's my understanding. Right, right, because it's going to take, I mean, that's that's the example of it's going to take forever <laughs> to charge anything or you're going yep. to lose, even though you're plugged in, you're going to lose battery because or it may overheat it's not the unit getting enough. Because it's trying yeah. to push more power than it can. Again, I don't know that, how electric, yep. I don't know how electricity works, but uh, just to remind everybody too, it's only the large iPad Pro that's got the fast mm-hmm. USB three charging. Um, so that's the one where it will benefit from one of the those MacBook USB C cables or uh, charging bricks if you use the uh, USB C to Lightning cable. Yep. One of the nice things about all of these systems, by the way, um, that doesn't get talked about enough, I think, is that if you have a USB C computer. Um, and you get that lightning to USB-C cable, you only have to take one power brick with you and you yep. can use it to charge either your computer or your iPad, which is or your iPhone, frankly, which is pretty cool because it used to be with MagSafe that the, you know, the Mac charger only ever charged the Mac and it couldn't be put to other uses. Yep. In that vein, Rajiv asked, do you think Apple will keep the lightning port on iOS devices but add USB Type-C to the AC adapter end? I think next iPhone will come with a USB-C uh, brick. Yeah, I think you're probably right. They make the cable now. They make the bricks. Uh, yep. I, th- I think I think the next iPhone will, will come with that, for sure. I think maybe the iPad even will, but we'll see. Yeah. The, the, you know, like the iPad Pro, if you mm-hmm. could ship that with the USB-C, so it's yep. going to have, it's going to be a better charger. It's got for a fast that, charger, for the large right? iPad Pro. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good. I think I, I think that we may see that now roll out for for all of the future iOS products from and, from this period and, on. And the argument is always like, but but wait a second, there's so many computers out there that don't have USB C. Apple doesn't think that most people need to connect their iOS device to a computer at all, right? Mm-hmm. This is one of those Apple opinionated things where Apple has decided just because some people do it doesn't mean that we need to put make all our decisions based on those people. Yep. And and they've they've made a lot of effort to make it so you don't need to connect via a wire uh, your your iOS device to a PC or a Mac. That's like there's so many things that they've tried to make that not something you need to do. So as long as they've got a cable for you to charge, and if you absolutely need it, then they you know then get an adapter. But I do think that that that's I, what they're going to do. I actually don't think there's any reason anymore that you need to do it. I think because because now well, uh, I think it's for 10, esoteric reasons. It's for esoteric reasons, like side loading files or whatever. But they're all techie reasons that yeah. uh, most people who are getting a brand new iPhone don't need to do. And uh, Apple would say that they're edge cases, and everybody who's an edge case is gonna be like, "Oh no!" But really, this is what Apple's been pushing well, everybody toward with these products. Even with the file side loading, there's other ways to do that. You should drop off. Oh sure, slow it. Do you mean they're, they're, I don't think yeah. that there's any reason anymore because. If memory serves, now uh, iCloud backups are encrypted. So, uh, other than the the you know the old my phone doesn't work, I need to plug it in and restore it. But that's it. Yeah, take it to the Apple Store. I don't oh. know. I mean, that's uh, again. There are reasons. There are arguments against it, but uh, I I think that Apple. <laughs> I think the difference between Apple and the perception of Apple oftentimes is we all go, but but look over there. There are these people who need this thing and that's like four percent of your user base and apple looks at it and goes yeah it's just four percent of our user base we're not gonna we're not gonna cater to them and make our product less good and those people will get adapters and they'll 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 deal with it and they won't say it that way but that's kind of the approach they take is at some point 
if you um if you're Microsoft with Windows back in the day, um you let the edge cases dictate your product because they were all, you know, oh, we got to be compatible with everything. And Apple's never been like that. Apple's always like, yeah, you know, most people don't need it now, and if you need it there's an adapter. And so we're going to pull pull the lever. And I think um 2017 is the year where um USB A type connectors are ushered out of Mm -hmm. the Apple product line. I agree. All of them. Johnny just got a new 5K iMac and wants to know if he can connect the 5K LG monitor to it. Johnny, Uh, you cannot. Um, Nope. The system requirements require Mac OS Sierra 10.12.1 or later and a Thunderbolt 3 enabled Mac of which there is one of the MacBook Pro. Yeah. So, no. May, no. Uh, maybe person in the future will be able to, but Johnny, unless you buy another iMac, probably in spring, as we believe it will come out then, then yes, probably you will be able to, but no, you will not. And not, and not even with a dongle. Even if you take no. a, a, a long excursion to Dongle Town, you will not be able to pick up anything that will help you with this. I'm afraid. That's where you're moving, isn't it, Mike? You're moving to Dongletown. Wow. Looking at my packing list, yes, I am. (laughs) Uh, Gabriel would like to know, uh, would it help if Apple put a MagSafe-like connector on the other end of the USB-C cable, the adapter side? We were talking about the fact that we were unhappy uh, that that MagSafe was going away. I mean, yes, if they could do it, it would be great, Um, but they haven't, and I assume there's a reason. Yeah, and it's a USB, you know, C standard cable. So you would need to create like a breakaway in there somewhere, and that's going to increase the cost, mm-hmm. and it's going to increase the bulk and the complexity of manufacturing it. And I feel like, I mean, not to go back to it, but I feel like this is one of those levels where, again, Apple just said USB C is more, um, more of a benefit than MagSafe, so we're just going to do USB C. And the nice thing about USB-C is it's a standard. So if somebody wants to make a breakaway cable, they can do it. Apple can't stop them. It's not like the days of MagSafe where, like, if you weren't an officially licensed MagSafe accessory manufacturer, you couldn't tie into charging a Mac on a plane from a battery. You couldn't do it because the, you had to you had to go all the way back to the plug. Mm-hmm. And now USB-C is a standard. So if somebody wants to invent clever ways to bring kind of breakaway tech to USB-C charging, they can do it. Apple doesn't have to do it anymore, and I don't think Apple will, but maybe somebody else will try. And finally today, Brando asked, is there any more word on Xcode for the iPad? Uh, in latest, in light of the latest Mac news, the iPad seemed like a more and more appealing development option. Um, at least for me, any any conversations I'd seen or word about this was all leading up to Playgrounds, Swift Playgrounds. Since yeah. then, nothing. Yeah, well, Swift Playgrounds is step one. Yeah, I think it will happen, and I think Swift I do Playgrounds is the uh, the indication that it will happen, but I don't think we're going to see it at WWDC. You know, it's, it's possible, but uh, yeah, I tend to agree with you that I feel like, I feel like, are they going to have uh, Xcode 
even if it's uh you know a very specific kind of Xcode for for iOS in 2017, because presumably they would they would unveil it at WWDC, right? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't put money on it. No. I, 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 I do think it's inevitable. But see more from Swift Playgrounds at WWDC 2017. Like it will be able to do more. Uh, but I don't think they're going to unveil Xcode for for the iPad. I, I think we need to be further down the Swift road before that happens, um, because it, I just assume it will be Swift only. So yeah, there you go. All right. That wraps up this week's episode of Upgrade. If you'd like to find our show notes, you can head on over to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 115. If you want to find Jason online, he is at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L on the Twitter, and he is at sixcolors.com. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks again to our lovely sponsors for this week's episode, the fine folk over at Casper, FreshBooks, and Encapsula. As always, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Beep. Oh no, Jason just booted. <laughs> no, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. It's not you. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>